Shalom and welcome to the Jewish mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The Holy Zohar states that there are three knots, the Holy One, blessed be He, the Torah, and the Jewish people. The Jewish people are tied with the Torah, the Torah with God, and through this God then ties the third knot directly with the Jewish people. The sages explain that this statement in the Zohar is not just a general global statement of connection with the Torah and with the Jewish people, rather it speaks of the details how each layer of the Jewish people are connected to the corresponding layer within the Torah which is connected to the corresponding layer within the Holy One, blessed be He, which then creates a direct connection between this layer of the Holy One, blessed be He, and the corresponding layer within the Jewish people. Thus, as we will explore the different layers of, the different layers of letters and the essence beyond the layers of the Torah, we will simultaneously be searching for the corresponding layers within the Holy One, Blessed Be He, the Jewish people, and the triple-knotted connection between the Holy One, Blessed Be He, the Torah, and the Jewish people. Before we get into layers, I would like to explore the essence from which all layers come forth. The definition of essence in Chabad Hasidus is simplicity. The reason for this is that the very word's definition of essence is an oxymoron. For definition denotes a specific finite form, characteristic, or property, which already defies our speaking of the essence. Allow me to explain. At first, when we speak of the essence, we speak of the all-exclusive essence, of which any specific description would be a desecration to the subject matter of essence. However, a deeper exploration and broader opening of the mind allows us into the infinite paradigm that the essence is, in essence, no pun intended, an all-inclusive essence. When we enter into this infinite paradigm, we first see it as water having within it the all-inclusive potential of any which shape, all depending on the shape of the cup, bowl, or vessel that the water is in. Thus, while the water in itself is an all-exclusive shapeless matter, it potentially is an all-inclusive matter of all shapes. So too we see the essence of our Creator as an all-exclusive essence which has no form, shape, or description, but from Him comes forth all forms, shapes, and descriptions. Thus, while the essence of God is all-exclusive to any description at all, it is God alone who is potentially all-inclusive to all and any description. A deeper exploration will then lead us into the depths of true monotheism, which is that God is everything, everything is God, and nothing but God exists, which ultimately means that God is every form, shape, and description that exists, all the while remaining the formless, indescribable simplicity of essence. I will admit 
that for the last point our finite mind needs to completely crack open and allow for the infinite power of faith to enter onto the stage of infinite reality. However, what is important for us to understand for this lecture is that in the exploration of Jewish mysticism into the essence of God, Torah, the Jewish people and all of existence, it is understood that we must find that which is beyond complexity of any sort. The moment we realize that we are in an arena of a, compila a compilation of complexity in which there is two rather than one, we realize that our exploration for the core essence of existence must continue further. However, before we move on further from any level of complexity, we must first take note of the level of unity that there is between this level of complexity and the essence. How, uh, for example, <coughs> excuse me, for example, when we speak of the ten emanations, which, will be s which we will be speaking of in a moment, we immediately realize that we are not speaking of the essence because we have ten separated and different descriptions going on here. However, we also want to know the level of unity that exists between the ten emanations and the infinite light of the essence before we continue on our journey into the essence itself. Thus, in this lecture, we will be exploring the different levels of letters that exist within the Torah and with it the different levels of unity that exist between these different letters of the Torah and the essence of the Torah, through which we will then do the same with the Holy One, blessed be He, and with the Jewish people. However, first we will discuss another necessary introduction. Our portion this week begins with, If in my statutes you will go and my commandments you will observe. Three questions. A. What does the verse mean with go? If in my statutes you will go, rather than heed, observe, or fulfill. B. What is the specification that for statutes the verse says go, while for the general commandments the verse says Obser observe. C. What is the verse teaching us by telling us that it isn't enough to just go in God's statutes, but that after this we must also observe God's commandments? The answer to these three questions is found in the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi in his book Likutei Torah, which has mystical discourses on each portion of the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The simple meaning of statutes refer to the category of commandments within the 613 commandments of the Torah that seemingly have no logical reasoning. To quote our sages about this category of statutes, our sages say, quote, A decree I have decreed, and you have no permission to contemplate them. End quote. Mystically speaking, the Hebrew word for statutes is chukim, which can also be a derivative of the word chakika, which means engraved. Thus, Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi explains that the verse is mystically telling us 
that only when we reach the unity layer of engraved letters can we experience the power of go. Let us first define the mystical understanding of the word go, of mobility. Mystically speaking, gradual growth does not qualify as mobility. The example given is that when one is walking or running, in which one leg is always in the past previous position and the other leg is moving forward. However, it is moving forward within the reach capacity of the previous position. This is not the experience of mobility. Mobility as defined in Jewish mysticism is only the experience of taking a leap in which both feet leave the previous place of capacity and enter into a total new capacity. This is why Jewish mysticism defines the verse in Zechariah which says, And I have placed movers amongst the stationary. To refer to God placing souls, movers, amongst the angels, stationary. Angels are not capable of completely changing their paradigm and experience of reality, while humans can completely change their paradigm and experience of reality. This is also why it was only the tenth and final test that gave Abraham what def a defined Abraham as truly, I quote the verse in Isaiah, Abraham who loved me. All the previous nine tests were within Abraham's natural disposition of kindness. However, the test of sacrificing his son Isaac was diametrically opposed, polar opposite of who Abraham was and demanded of Abraham to completely leave who he was for God. This and only this is the mystical definition of mobility, while everything else is called stationary growth. Now let us return to what Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi is saying. The experience of mobility is possible only when we enter into the inner dimension of unity with God, Torah, and self at the level of engraved letters. Let's see about these different letters. The Torah as we received it has two levels of letters. There are the Torah scrolls that Moses wrote before he passed away, which were written with ink upon parchment. However, at Mount Sinai, God gave us the Ten Commandments of the Torah as letters engraved within stone. Thus, we have two types of letters of Torah letters, the written letters, and the engraved letters. We will soon explore how by mere definition letters altogether tell us that we aren't speaking of the essence, which is simplicity. However, let us first explore the different levels of unity between letters and the essence. I will introduce here something that will help us understand what we mean by the unity between letters and the essence. The mystical understanding to a law telling us that no two letters can be touching. However, the law states it 
in the seemingly poetic way of, and I quote, each letter must be surrounded by the gvil. Gvil is the whiteness of the parchment. Mystically speaking, this law isn't being poetic as much as it is being precisely descriptive. The law is mystically telling us that the finite, complex, and descriptive written letter of the Torah must be completely surrounded and unified with the infinite simplicity of the white, which is the essence of the Torah. However, practically speaking, the written letter is a finite complexity of separation in which the ink is not the parchment, the ink is placed upon the parchment, and even then the ink is weakly connected to the parchment and can eventually with age crack off of the parchment. The engraved letters on the other hand are not a separate substance from the stone it is engraved upon. The engraved letters are one with the stone and speak of deep unity between the finite description of the letter and the infinite simplicity of the stone. Now let's talk about how it is within the Holy One, blessed be He. When we speak of the Holy One, blessed be He, Jewish mysticism defines these two dimensions of letters, the written letters and the engraved letters, as the two levels of the supernal crown and the ten emanations. The supernal crown is infinitely circular and is, as is, and is defined as the color white. However, white as we know it is the color of wisdom, a simplicity that is a specific color. The white of the supernal crown is the white of transparency, like the color of a transparent glass. Thus, the supernal crown represents the level of engraved letters. The ten emanations, including even the white wisdom, are finitely linear and have non-transparent colors. Yes, they are vessels in which the light clothes itself. However, the light and vessel unify as one in becoming a specific finite expression of divinity. And thus, the ten emanations represent the written letters. To understand this within our soul, let's talk about now within ourselves, we will speak of the evolution of letters within the soul as they exist from bottom to top. First we'll talk about the letters of speech. Letters of speech will deliver an emotion or an intellectual thought. However, in letters of speech, we are very conscious of the letters and words that are being used in the speech. We hear them, we feel them, and we decipher them in order to find the feeling or the intellectual concept that they are delivering to us. These letters, letters of speech, represent the written letters of our soul. In letters of thought, this concept also exists, while in a more refined and transparent level. However, there are two dimensions of thought. There is the lower thought and the higher thought. The beauty of higher thought is that the thinker is so engrossed within the intellectual concept that he doesn't hear or feel the letters through which, through which he is thinking the thought and is only hearing and feeling the intellectual concept of his thought. 
the letters of higher thought represent the engraved letters capacity of our soul practically speaking when we are studying a teaching in Torah there is that deep concentration and connection with the soul's capacity of understanding the Torah in which we are focused to the point that we are experiencing the engraved letters of higher thought then there is the lower thought form of studying and then even less focused letters of speech form of studying Torah thus when we talk about the engraved letters of the soul we are speaking of the higher thought process of studying Torah when we speak of the written letters of the soul we're speaking of the letters of lower thought and the written letters of speech now we can understand what Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi is saying about our being able to experience mobility only when we enter into the engraved letters experience of our soul once we are in a defined paradigm in how we perceive think feel and function then we are not capable of true mobility in which we completely leave who we are this is why on the written letter dimension of our soul we can only experience stationary growth and not mobility it is only when we become deeply united with the infinite simplicity of our soul that we are connected with our capacity of true mobility to completely leave how we have thought felt and functioned in the past and enter into a total new experience of self and our connection with God and with his Torah thus it is only in the experience of Bichukotai statutes to be defined as the depths of Chakika engraved letter unity of the soul and God's Torah and commandments that we can experience total mobility of self and oneness with God at this point the first two questions I asked at the beginning of the lecture are answered let's see what does it mean go rather than heed observe or fulfill the answer is the word go means that we reach true mobility of being able to completely step out of the limitations of our specifically defined character of how we perceive think feel and function in order that we experience the omnipotence of our soul and its connection to God and Torah question B what is the specification that for statutes the verse says go while for the general commandments the verse says states observe answer the Hebrew word for statutes also is a derivative of the Hebrew word for engraved thus what the verse is telling us is that only in the deep concentration and focus of the engraved letters of higher thinking can we connect with the omnipotent omnipotent essence of God Torah and self and only then can we experience true mobility so let us now return to the third question what is the verse teaching us by telling us that it isn't enough to just go in God's statutes but that after this we must also observe God's commandments Rav Shneer Zalman of Liadi in his teaching goes on to explain that the power of connecting with the engraved letters of higher thinking is endangered once the soul closes itself into the egocentric noisiness of the body 
Therefore the Torah warns us, and my commandments you will observe. The Hebrew word for you will observe is tishmeru, from the word shomer, which means to guard and to protect. The 248 positive commandments of the 613 commandments and prohibitions of the Torah are called the 248 organs of the King, God. Through the observance of the 248 commandments, we correct tikkun, we correct our own 248 organs of our body to be in line with God. Thus it is through and my commandments you will observe that the engraved letters of higher thinking and the mobility power of the soul are protected from the egocentric noisiness potential of the physical body. Now this in itself is an amazing unprecedented clarity that the Rebbe of Blessed Mary gives us into the teaching of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Leadi, who was his ancestor and predecessor who founded Chabad Lubavitch. However, the Rebbe didn't stop with just this clarification and rather the Rebbe took this concept to totally new and unchartered territories of Jewish mysticism. You see, in the teaching of Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, the second statement of the verse, and my commandments you will observe, is just a lower and external service apart from the higher service of in my statutes you will go. And it serves just to protect the soul from the potential negative impact of the body. Watch, however, what the Rebbe is about to do with this second direction of the verse. To understand this, we need to first understand that even in the engraved letters upon a brilliantly shining gem, the engraved letters affect the shine of the gem. Yes, the letters are not an additional substance imposed upon the gem. However, the simplicity of the gem before the letters were engraved upon it now have letters engraved upon it. Thus, even in the higher form of engraved letters, we have not reached the essence, which is the gem itself, beyond any expression of any form of letters at all. In the essence of God, there exists a simple desire to have a nether world with nether beings of equal free will to choose between good and evil, God and egocentrism. And there, in the nether world, God desires to have a home built for Him by these nether beings. This desire exists and emanates from the essence itself. Thus, the deepest essence connection between a Jew, the Torah, and God is not possible through the soul and its engraved letters of higher thinking of in my statutes you will go. Rather, it can only exist within the nether physical body and physical performance of and my commandments you will observe. Thus, the verse is taking us from one stage to the next, from the lower to the higher, as it first tells us of the soul's power to, in my statutes you will go, which can only connect us to the deepest form of letters, but not 
to the essence itself. Then the verse takes us to the higher connection of the body's power to my commandments you will observe, which connects us to the essence of God in fulfilling the essence's desire to have a home in the nether world made by the nether physical human. In closing, when Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Lubavitch, the previous Rebbe, arrived at the shores of America in 1940, he began to send his students on visits to all the different Jewish communities in America to observe the needs of the Jewish community and to strengthen the Jewish communities. The students would then return to the previous Rebbe and report on the situation of the Jewish community and what they accomplished on their trip. In one such report, the student reported to the previous Rebbe a conversation that he had with one of the Jewish leaders of a community. The individual asked the student to explain the process of the previous Rebbe sending students on visits to all the Jewish communities in America. The student responded with a parable. In the old home in Europe, the small Jewish villages couldn't afford to support a full-time scribe. However, the written letters on the parchment of the Torah scroll with age would crack and need mending. How were the Torah scrolls of the small villages maintained? Well, the master scribe would live in the big city, and he would send out his students with different itineraries to visit the small villages to check and mend the Torah scrolls. The student then concluded, that every Jew is a written letter in God's Torah scroll. The previous Rebbe is the master scribe, and he sends his students to the villages to mend the Jewish people who over time may have cracked with assimilation into the American secular lifestyle. The previous Rebbe told the student after he finished this report that his parable was not accurate. Why? the previous Rebbe explained to the student. The Jew is not a written letter within the Torah scroll of God. Rather, the Jew is an engraved letter upon the tablet of God. An engraved letter can never crack and never needs mending. However, over time, dust can settle upon the engraved letter until it is not seen, even though it is wholesomely there. With this, the previous Rebbe concluded, I send my students to blow off the dust that may have gathered upon the engraved letter. What is the practical difference in whether we see ourselves as a written Jew or as an engraved Jew? In 1974, a columnist in the Boston Herald American of Massachusetts printed the following dialogue between Michelangelo and a fan of his. And I quote the article. It might have happened just like the story of Michelangelo being congratulated at the unveiling of his immortal Dav David. How in God's name could you have achieved a masterpiece like this from a crude slab of marble, a fan is supposed to have asked him. It was easy Mike is said to have said, all I did was chip away everything that didn't look like David. 
The power of change lies within a person first being able to see his existence from the point of view of his engraved letter. Once a person sees himself for who he essentially is, and then he sees who he has practically become through his habitual patterns, then he can change by simply, all I did was chip away everything that didn't look like David. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.